This book is not for you. I like children. For breakfast? <laughs> Never. I'm a luck dragon. My name is Falcor. And my name is... Atreyu. And you're on a quest. How'd you know that? You were unconscious. And you talked in your sleep. If you come any closer, I will rip you to shreds. I was sent to kill the only one who could have stopped the nothing. I lost him in the swamps of sadness. His name was Atreyu. If we're about to die anyway, I'd rather die fighting! Come for me, Gmork! I am Atreyu! Welcome to Suit Delay Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike Macmasunas. How's everybody doing today? I'm doing great. It's good to be back, guys. I know I took a, a little tiny break from STL, but as I told you before, I was working on some CCP, Change of Channels podcast. I got that recorded, I got it edited, and I uh, got that sucker uploaded to iTunes. And uh, the hardcore fans, some of you got an early sneak peek preview into the episode and got to hear it before it actually was officially on iTunes. So those of you out there who have not heard the episode yet, it is officially been approved as of last night. And I did put the link up on Facebook. If you go to the STO Facebook page, Podcast, you will find the link to the Changing Channels podcast episode. I hope you guys dig it. I had an absolute blast putting it together. Uh, it was uh, It's a podcast I'm very excited for. And obviously... Uh, STL is is my number one priority and then after that comes the shadowy flight and then after that just hanging out sometime during the month uh, get together record some changing channels podcasts and get that out the feedback I've gotten from you guys has been great I can't thank you guys enough you guys have said some excellent uh, great kind words and the reviews on iTunes already got four iTunes reviews already and uh, you officially can't even find this podcast if you try to go into the search function in iTunes. It's still not there. You actually have to have the link to get there. And already four iTunes reviews have come up. So thank you so much. And uh, I, I do apologize, though. Uh, when Jameson and I got together, uh, we sounded perfectly fine together. Everything was clear. And then uh, when I listened back to the recording, there was a little bit of sound issues with me or him going in and out. But uh, that episode is a million times better than my first episode of STL. So a little bit of sound issues, no big deal, especially for a first episode. But the next one, when we do 21 Jump Street, we will definitely uh, look into that to make sure that that doesn't happen again for future episodes. So just to give you a heads up, I'll get into a little bit more details on changing channels when I get towards the end of the episode. But I just want to give you a little kind of insight on why um, you know it took a little bit to get a new episode out to you. But I'm excited. It's never-ending story. And then also going to be talking about the new voting system, which is uh, actually going to be happening right after this episode gets posted. 
I will uh, give you all the details on how that will work on this episode. So stay tuned for that information. I'm very excited for it. It's going to breathe some new life into STL. I mean, STL has been super fun. I love doing the show. You guys are the best fans in the world. The STL Nation Randomness Group and the and the Channel Surfers Facebook group has just been amazing. And you guys are just always find a great way to interact. And it's like we're we're a little tiny family. It's great. But uh, you guys will officially have control over the show going forward when the voting system starts. And I'm excited for it. And there will be a couple little rules to that voting system, again, which I'll get into in just a little bit. But before we do, let's get into some movie and music news. So for the first bit of movie news, I just want to give you guys a heads up. Last night, I went and rented some Battleship on Blu-ray. And, uh, you know, I recently got into True Blood. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I caught up on the whole entire series. So I'm currently watching it as it as it airs. And Eric uh, from that show is in Battleship. So it was pretty cool seeing him. But, you know, Battleship, I have to admit, man, I had an absolute blast. I, I really, really enjoyed the film. It's too bad it bombed. Uh, I did. I did really. I love the special effects. I thought they were great. Peter Berg is a great director for me. You know, he did the rundown. He's a very fast-paced uh, action director, but no shaky cams or anything like that. I thought Taylor uh, Taylor Kinch, I believe is how you say the last name, did great. Uh, I didn't have any issues with him whatsoever. Liam Neeson. I thought. Uh, I thought he was in it more than I was actually led to believe, which was cool. Rihanna, she was all right. Uh, you know, she was kind of shaky for me in the beginning but she got better and i really dig the fact of we had real navy people in this film so i I totally dug it i thought it was great uh i know there's a lot of hate for the film but hey it is what it is i give it a very strong four stars so i go recommend it if you like uh big uh just you know it's kind of like transformers one if you really like transformers one i think you'll really enjoy battleship uh it's a very good fun popcorn flick i really enjoyed it so uh, that's my first bit of movie news is that I checked that movie out. So uh, so go rent it. Hopefully you will dig it. So a couple different updates that we have going here. So unfortunately the RoboCop reboot that's going on, I uh, heard there's a lot of script problems. Uh, not, not, you know, kind of worried about it a little bit. Hugh Laurie, which aka would be House, has recently dropped out of the film. But they did pick up Michael Keaton, a.k.a. old school 1989 Batman, to be a bad guy in the film. Uh, I'm really digging the cast. It's just too bad I keep hearing horrible things about the script. Uh, And the biggest horrible script I've heard about was the Ninja Turtles reboot, which obviously a lot of us fans have had issues with with the teenage 
uh, ninja or teenage alien ninja turtles however you want to do it so there's just been a lot of bad script talk going on about the robocop reboot along with the ninja turtles uh, but I'm sure the RoboCop one's going to turn around with such all these actors they have going on this. You know, these guys don't usually just pick up a role just so that they can just earn a paycheck. Some of them do, some of them don't. But I'm not really too worried about it. Even though I hear that there's script problems, I'm sure things are going to be worked out. Not to worry about it. But that's the biggest update for RoboCop is we have a new person. Now, uh, I will get into this more in the next episode of Change the Channels with Michael J. Fox is making his return to television. Uh, just wanted to bring that up. Uh, again, we'll get into more details on the next episode of that and how that's all going to work. But just wanted to give you an FYI. If you're a big Michael J. Fox fan, which a lot of us are, be on the lookout for his new show that's going to be coming our way. Now, something kind of interesting, the new uh, Terrence Malick movie. Uh, is uh, There's this uh, immense cast. And it was actually kind of a, a lengthy movie, and it's kind of unusual for Terry's Malik or for Terry Malik's movies to lose some actors from the final cut. Uh, his new movie is called The Thin Red Line, and uh, not the war movie you're thinking of. It's just called Thin Red Line, and we have Mickey Rourke, Bill Pullman, and Viggo Mor- uh, Mortensen scenes. They were actually cut from the finished product due to the running time. And it's also going to happen to Rachel Weiss, Barry Pepper, and Michael Sheen, along with Amanda Peet. So all those actors, they are cut from that film. So how do you feel about that? Uh, you know, I really dig me some Rachel Weiss. Uh, you know, Michael Sheen, some good times. Mickey Rourke's good times. Bill Pullman. Uh, so I know there's some uh, Terry Malick fans out there. And uh, so how do you kind of feel about that? Let me know. Send an email, but that's just to give you a heads up that those people have been cut officially from the new movie coming up. So, all right. And the last bit of movie news I have for you before we roll into music is uh, Michael McKean. If you know who Michael McKean is, you know, recently uh, I did some Short Circuit 2, and uh, he is obviously in that movie. Uh, I mean, Michael McKean is just a big kind of 80s actor, but he's actually in the uh the new dark knight batman the dark knight returns uh the new animated movie he is uh one of the voice actors in there which is just pretty cool i totally dig this guy he's some good times uh the other people that are going to be involved uh we have peter weller which aka would be robocop uh he's actually batman bruce wayne of all people which is kind of cool uh, then we have uh, David Shelby, who you'll probably recognize from the social uh, social network. And uh, he's going to be Commissioner Gordon. And then we have Ariel Winter, who's from Modern Family, uh, is going to be playing Carrie slash Robin. And then we have Wade Williams, who's going to, uh, from Prison Break, is going to be Harvey Dent, Two-Face. Now you're probably wondering what voice is uh, Michael McKean going to play, which, by the way, just in case I, I didn't mention it, you know, the biggest movie is Spinal Tap. I mean, that's really where, I mean, this guy is from. But anyways, the, the character he's going to be playing is uh, Dr. Barth, Barth uh Whopper. So he's some ego mechanical doctor. So it's going to be good times. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm definitely checking out the new uh, animated movies of the Batman series. Kind of get into that. I actually own... Um, 
The Red Hood, I believe, is the name of that one. I don't know. I know you guys are yelling at me, but uh, I actually own that one. I picked that up the day after Thanksgiving. I got that for like two bucks. So I'm pretty excited to check it out. I can't wait. So uh, that is it, guys, for movie news. So why don't we go ahead and roll into some music news? Okay, so this week in music news, which, by the way, I did uh, recently get feedback that uh, you're digging the new news segment of music when I'm talking about the iTunes charts. Uh, Thank you so much for the feedback. You know, that's something that I did ask if you guys are cool with that. And uh, I also mentioned, I kind of teased a little story about POD. So a couple things I wanted to talk about this week that I thought was pretty important in the music news. So... P.O.D.'s uh, newest album came out uh, a couple weeks ago, and the name of that album was called Murder Love. Now, P.O.D., which stands for Payable on Death, if you don't know. Now, uh, obviously, P.O.D., you know, whenever we do uh, the music spotlight, I play the clip of Boom. You know, I love P.O.D., and a lot of you guys will know P.O.D. simply from Alive, which is the day uh, that song came out on September 11th. You know, that's the one with the video with the guy to get hit by the bus. It keeps flipping over. We have some Youth of the Nation. We have some Boom. I mean, everybody knows who these guys are. They're kind of like a metal band, but uh, they're also a Christian band. And uh, a couple different things, you know, they definitely go on both sides. You know, they're signed to Atlantic Records. So their music is sold in both the uh, Christian music market and they're also sold in the mainstream market. So obviously, they, they, the touring-wise, they do a lot of Christian music tours, and then they do a lot of mainstream tours. So they pretty much tour with everybody. But uh, what I found was interesting on the iTunes charts was there is this, uh, well, I should say complaint. The album came out. Uh, it was the number one album to hit the, uh, the rock charts at the time. It was about, oh, I want to say, you know, maybe second week of July, roughly. Now, there's this one song on the album. It's actually the closing song of the album, which, by the way, I really enjoy this album. It's the most spiritual album that P.O.D. has done since uh, Satellite's come out. And even Satellite uh, had a few songs that, you know, pretty much every single song is spiritual on this album. But there's this one song called I Am, and it's been causing some major controversy. And here's what the controversy is. Uh, basically there's swearing that takes place in the song now you know normally you know I'm not talking like your your average like you know damn or anything like that but talking the F word now you're probably saying okay kind of weird that you know quote-unquote Christian band saying the F word in a song especially if you're selling in both markets but the story behind the song is is that it's Coming from a perspective of somebody who doesn't know God, doesn't believe in God, uh, who's a very broken person, uh, been molested, aka, I mean, it's pretty much the worst thing possible, and just kind of swearing at God, saying, you know, I, how can I believe in you? You know, prove to me that you're real. You know, it's basically coming from somebody who's very brokenhearted, has no faith, that kind of thing. And for me, I, I personally respect the song. I, I dig the lyrics that are in the song, and I get it. Although there's certain people who do not get it, which is definitely reasonable. I understand. I get it. And it's caused a lot of uh, reviews, negative reviews in, in iTunes because of that particular song. Now, here's what I find absolutely funny, but and I don't know if it's funny in a good way or a bad way. Uh, a couple years ago, 
They're now 12 stones. You know, I, I've played these guys a lot. They're kind of in the same ballpark as POD, where they get uh, sold and played in both markets, in the Christian music market, and they get played in the mainstream market, although they're kind of an underrated band. Uh, they're on Wind Up Records, the same record label as Evanescence, which they recently did leave. And Evanescence was another band that uh, actually was played a lot on Christian radio, and then eventually they moved out of that area. But uh, when 12 Stone's second album came out, it was called Potter's Field. That album was actually pulled out of the Christian bookstores. The reason behind this is is because uh, not in any of the songs, but in the liner notes, one of the guys actually said to the um, the, the road crew that they kick ass. Well, uh, you know, there's some people that find ass, quote unquote, to be offensive or they do not. You know, it just depends on where you come from, you know, how you feel about it. me personally. I don't have an issue with it. Obviously, I've said it on the show, but, you know, it's not a word that I say every single word you know and i can get where some people would find that to be offensive but they went ahead and they pulled off all of those albums out of the bookstores and everything like that well here's what i find funny you know uh last week i was uh you know for my church i had to go buy some supplies and everything like that so we went to uh we went to the local bible store and pod's album was sitting there uh the murder love album was sitting there as the deal of the day now, here, uh, you know, a couple years ago, they went ahead and pulled off an album that had, you know, the word ass in the liner notes, but not in the song. But here, you know, we can all agree that the F word is definitely more offensive. I mean, obviously, even on TV, you're not allowed to say that unless it's after 10 o'clock, you know. So you would think that for sure this album would be pulled out of uh, that particular market. And I find it very... Uh, Maybe it's eye-opening that uh, maybe they understand where the song is coming from, and they've decided to leave it within their, you know, their their market. Which, if that's the case, I give you guys props. That's great. I'm glad you're open your eyes, because I seriously doubt it's okay. They don't know about it because within a week they found out about the Twelve Stones album and they pulled it. This album has been out uh, for for about three or four weeks. The album still rests there, and I find that very, very interesting. I thought that was a very interesting story. So, uh, you know, I know some of you probably aren't going to care about this, but I, I did find it to be something very, uh, very interesting in the music world to me because that's something that I follow very closely. I have been since 1993. You know, you guys know me. I listen to everything. I listen to rock, pop, jazz, you know, soul, funk you know hip-hop rap 80s 70s you know backstreet boys i mean you guys know it i'm i'm the biggest guilty pleasure guy but for me my number one realm of music that i love to listen to is christian rock it always has been uh just because you know uh it's just very positive you know it's something close to my heart but something that i love and uh you know but it's definitely something that i'm not going to throw down anybody's you know anybody's throat or anything like that so it's definitely a story that i thought came pretty you know kind of hit home for me so that was just something i wanted to bring up uh but what's really cool on the itunes charts this week is the number one album currently sitting in the number one spot and that's toby max eye on it which you recently uh just when i started up uh the movie 
uh, in music news. That was a song you heard was Eye On It. That was coming from Toby Mac. Now, Toby Mac has been in the music business since 1989. He started in this band called DC Talk, which is uh, considered by many to be the biggest Christian band of all time. And um, they, then they went solo back in 2000. And he has made about six solo albums. Very big. You know, uh, he's definitely my favorite artist of all time. I follow him since 1989. He's, he's one person that he's probably the person I look up to the most on, you know, it's just he's just the way the way he lives his life and just the way he writes his music and just everything about him. I, I totally respect having a wife and five kids and just dealing with everything. He's just a very positive person for me. And the fact that he has the number one album on iTunes right now. It's pretty awesome. And here's what's even better. is uh, there, There's currently a fight going on billboard uh, between Slaughterhouse and Toby Mac. Now, Slaughterhouse uh, is kind of the... Uh, it's a hip-hop super group. And then you have Toby Mac. And they're both going to sell between fifty to 60,000 albums by the end of the week. But we won't know until Wednesday which ones wins. Now, if Toby Mac wins and hits the number one spot on the Billboard 200... Now, keep in mind... Uh, they have categories in the Billboard 200 for every category, for for country, for soul, for rock, for Christian rock, for uh, children's music. They have every single category. So of course, you know, in the gospel albums, there's always a number one. But there's never been a gospel album that I know of. If there has been any, it's very very little that has actually. In the Billboard Top 200, that takes all the genres of music, puts it together, and that's your number one album. I'm pretty sure I've been doing research on it, and it's been very hard to find that uh, he could be the very first gospel artist to hit number one. But I'm sure Kurt Franklin has already done that. You know, there's various artists. I mean, P.O.D. hit number one with Satellite, but uh, we're talking like where. That's the category that the artist is in. So I find it very interesting that this could happen. I mean, I honestly don't think he would be the first, but it's a very something few. It's kind of like a kid's album hitting number one. Or you have, uh, oh, you know, an indie record hitting number one. It's just something that doesn't happen every day. And I find it very interesting that, uh, that, 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 that it could happen. So we'll find out Wednesday how that rolls into play. I'm pretty excited about it. It's some good stuff. And the cool thing with Toby is he sings about everything. Uh, Just like, you know, a lot of the bands that I play on this show, you know, I try to pick stuff that is just as positive as possible and just makes you feel good and everything. And that's something he does. He sings about life. He sings about, you know, his his wife, his kids, uh, heartbreak, everything, you know, which is really cool, which is something that a lot of people uh, especially during the iTunes reviews, have, have just stated how much they've really enjoyed the album. So I know I spent a lot of time in the music news section, but I found these two stories to be pretty pretty cool. And it was just something that I kind of wanted to touch on a little bit before we get into you know the never-ending story and stuff. So that's just something I wanted to talk about. Uh, now, before I end the music news... Uh, I want to get into a topic that uh, we haven't talked about in a while. Obviously, I'm not doing TV news because the TV news has moved over to the Changing Channels podcast. But I want to talk some video games because that's something we haven't talked about in a while. So let's get into some video game news. I want to play a game. want to play? <laughs> Resident Evil. <laughs> 
feel like a monster. Alright, so for the video game section, which I'm pretty excited to talk about because it's been a while, but the reason why I wanted to bring this up is there's currently two video game franchises that are currently being made into movies. And I thought it was pretty interesting to talk about. The biggest one is God of War. Now, God of War, uh, I absolutely love the God of War franchise games, which they're currently released. The God of War Saga, which you get God of War 1, God of War 2, God of War 3, and you get the Origin collections that were originally on P PSP converted to PS3. So you get five games for 40 bucks. It's pretty flipping cool, along with the infamous... Uh, that's a guy full of electricity. Get Infamous 1, 2, and the Vampire game uh, for about 30 bucks. But for the God of War movies now, uh, for the God of War movie that's going to be coming out, uh, it's going to be interesting. I hope they do it right because God of War, you know, this takes place in ancient Greece, you know, and you're fighting the gods, you know, you're fighting Zeus and and Kronos, not Kronos because Kronos is a titan, but you know, it's basically you against the gods, you know, and you become the god of war eventually. Then you start taking on the titans and stuff. And I mean, it's the most violent game ever. I mean, you rip people's heads off and, and you just rip them to shreds and you have these blades of chaos. And it's just, it's ridiculous game. It's super fun. It's, you know, it's a game that if you have a bad day at work, you come home, you pop this sucker in. And you just take out about 50 dudes, man. You know, you take out hundreds of dudes and just it's just amazing. And, of course, some of them are dudes, but most of them are monsters and that kind of thing. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with that, but it's definitely into play. And I'm very interested to see who they're going to pick for Kratos. And then the other big one is Metal Gear Salad. Again, that's a PlayStation uh, exclusive. They officially have the movie in works. So... So yeah, Sony Sony Columbia Pictures is uh, going to be taking care of that, and uh, Ivy Arid, who, uh, as you know, executive producer, uh, you know, of uh, of Columbia Pictures and Sony owned and that kind of thing. That's that's something as well that they are currently working on uh, the Metal Gear Solid kind of stuff. So I'm interested to see how that goes into play. Those two franchises, you know, most video game movies absolutely suck. So I really hope they do God of War right. You know, Prince of Persia is kind of a God of War ripoff, and that movie was horrible. So I can't say I'm looking forward to it. I'm just hoping that it's done right. And uh, as far as video games go, it's been it's been fun this year uh, for me. Uh, you know, the Amazing Spider-Man video game is pretty flipping cool. I highly recommend that. Max Payne 3 is uh, pretty pretty good times. You know, uh, Monday Night Jason talks about it a lot. We have conversations about Max Payne 3. So it's good times, especially in the year of the Expendables and blowing stuff up. That's the game you want to check out. So all in all, guys, that is the news I have for video games. So that's it for everything, movies, music, and video games. Let's get into the review of The Never-Ending Story. Bastion, you're old enough to get your head down out of the clouds and start keeping both feet on the ground, right? This book is not for you. I know why you are all here. The nothing is destroying our world. But there just might be one chance. His name is Atreyu. You would be willing to go on a quest? Of course. 
It will be very dangerous. But if you fail, the Empress will surely die. And our whole world will be utterly destroyed. Alright, Neverending Story time. Now, Neverending Story is my favorite fantasy film of all time. Uh, you know, it's just, I've loved this movie ever since I was a kid. Uh, I have very vivid memories of this film. I've seen it over and over. I mean, who doesn't love Falcor? You know, the flying puppy, aka uh, the luck dragon. I mean, it's flipping, it's flipping great. The movie came out in 1984, and it's actually a German slash American uh, film, which is really cool. Now, uh, Wolfgang Peterson is actually the director and the and the co-writer of the film, and uh, and I'll tell you, man, this movie still to this day, uh, when it comes to the morgue, the the Gamork, uh, or the Mork, whatever you want to call the thing, because it has like three different flipping names uh, in the movie, it's still the scariest creature I've ever seen. It kills any werewolf. I mean, whatever. I mean, this thing, I would still hide under my bed thinking that it's going to jump out of the TV and eat me. Uh, the music's great. Now, of course, that song that I just played is the theme song of The NeverEnding Story. Now, our, 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 one of our fans, Cheerful Charlie, absolutely hates the song NeverEnding Story. So I purposely played that song for him to torture him. Uh, you know, as, as a joke, he kind of knew I was going to. But uh, most of most of everybody out there loves this song and you know i remember the show kids incorporated back on disney channel them singing this song it was flipping good times and uh this movie is just is just great and i'm very interested you know i was very interested going back for the review to see does the movie still hold up today because i don't like any of the sequels you know usually i'm the sequel guy i mean if you guys know over movie mojo monthly Jameson and Brian were giving me crap because, you know, uh, I had a lot of sequels on there, which, you know, I'm just a big sequel guy. You know, that's just me. But I hate the sequels to these to Never Ending Story. Never Ending Story is just should have been the one movie and that's it. Because in part two, uh, they flipping had Jonathan Brandis, which I like. The, I like the guy. You know, you'll know him from Sequest. He eventually died. He was in Sidekicks with Chuck Norris. I love that flick. But he just was not the right character to be in this they had a different atreyu falcor falcor looked like he went from you know being uh 15 years old to being 80 the voice was absolutely atrocious i could not stand the voice actor that they had for falcor it was just it was absolutely horrible could not stand the sequel so this movie i cherish this movie recently came out on blu-ray and i was very interested of seeing if the movie held up and uh, how would the special effects look and any of that other good stuff. So let's get into all that fun stuff. Now, funny enough, 
the voice actor that does the voice of Falcor actually does the voice of the of the Gamork. Now, here's why I call it the Gamork. It's spelled G-M-O-R-K. So like you, like Gnome, I would think that the G is silent, right? So I would think that it would be the Mork, you know, M-O-R-K. You know, the G is silent. Uh, but in the Bastion in the movie says the Gamork. And then when you actually get to uh, the, the morgue's part, I like to call him the morgue because the dude's a killer. He'll send you to the morgue. When you hear him say his own name, it sounds like he says, I'm the morgue. So I'm going with the morgue, okay? So however you guys want to say it, that's cool. That's how you want to say it. That's great. But I refer to this guy as the morgue uh, or the morgue because the dude is just, uh the wolf is just flipping scary, man. Like, oh, so good. So basically, like I said, movie came out in 1984, and uh, we had Baird Oliver as our as our main character in the film, Bastion. Now, Baird Oliver, you're probably like, okay, I never heard of this kid. Who is he? If you've ever seen the film Daryl, D A Y D A R Y L, he's in that film. Uh, he was also in um, Cocoon: The Return. Uh, the Secret Garden, Cocoon, Frankenweenie, uh, Kiss Me Goodbye. But most people will know him from from Daryl. And then also, if you see Knight Rider, the very first episode of Knight Rider, uh, he's actually the kid that uh, gets inside of you know inside the race. He's sitting in the back seat, and uh, you know Michael has to strap him in while they try to win the race. So that's another place that you may know him from. So immediately, because he's associated with Knight Rider, I love this guy. Surprisingly enough, though, this guy isn't really your main star of the film, which is kind of funny because he kind of takes a back seat. You know, they tell a story for about a good, you know, 15 minutes. Once we get to the book, once we get to opening and reading the book of the never-ending story, everything switch over to Atreyu. Now, Atreyu is played by uh, Noah Hathaway. Now, Noah, I actually thought was a girl when I first watched this film because, you know, as a kid, I wasn't used to seeing dudes with long hair. So, you know, he, you know, he's born in 1971. So, you know, you can obviously tell his age now. He's about 40 years old. But uh, he was, he's pretty awesome in this film, man. Atreyu. That's who the character is. And Atreyu is basically, uh, you know, a kid warrior, basically. And uh, and here's what I love about this film is the fact of in your own mind, this movie can take you to different places. Because when you think about the never ending story, it means that the story never ends. My interpretation of this is that whoever gets a hold of the book, your the story changes. That's how it remains the never ending story. Because whoever reads it, it becomes different, which, you know, for the guy that was reading the book in the beginning of the film... Uh, obviously the the story is different for him then once bastion gets the story you know essentially atreyu is him you know he's the kid you know his mom died which you know our text dies so there's a lot of similarities uh between atreyu and bastion so uh, of course that's never actually said but I really immediately I get that connection with the film that when you read the book, it becomes different. It, it matches to you, your personality, your thoughts, your dreams, your wishes. 
and and that's it you know but of course the book becomes alive because you actually go into the story and you save fantasia and everything else so it's a pretty cool concept i love this film man it's so flipping good okay so starting off let's talk about the overall plots of the film so we have bastion he's a quiet boy loves to read uh he gets bullied in the beginning of the film which you know unfortunately today we still have bullies uh you know but the cool thing with today's standards bullies bullies aren't allowed man bullies are basically you know we have campaigns against bullying which is pretty awesome so he runs away from the bullies in the beginning hides in a bookstore there's this grumpy bookseller uh, his name's mr carander and uh bastion you know asks him about the book that he's reading and he warns him that it's a not it's not safe and you're kind of like, okay, what does that mean? It's not safe. And it basically means that, you know, when you're Captain Nemo, you know, and you're getting attacked and everything like that, you're safe because you can put the book down and it's just a story. But he's trying to say that the book isn't safe because when you read it, you will, you know, you become a part of the book. You go inside the book almost in a way. You know what I mean? It's it's like obviously you can stop reading it, but it's not safe because the book will affect you. The story is going to change. That's kind of how I've always interpreted uh, when they mean by it's not safe. But he wants to borrow the book and he leaves a note promising that he's going to return the book and he races the school. But, you know, of course, he finds out he was late for the math test. So he just figures, you know what? Screw it. I'm already late. Uh, class is already over. I'm just going to go in the school attic and I'm going to start reading this book because the kids just like, you know, it's like kid in a candy shop. You got to check it out. You got to read it. It's all good. All right. So he gets up in the attic and he starts to read the book. There's this really cool symbol on the front cover. It's called the Orin. It's like uh, kind of like two snakes spin around together. It looks really wicked. It's actually an original prop from Steven Spielberg's office, which is pretty cool. But uh, essentially, the book describes of this fantasy world. It's called Fantasia. And uh, it's a world that's being threatened by this force called, quote-unquote, the nothing. It's a, it's a void of darkness that just consumes everything. And the creatures of Fantasia, they've gathered together. They want to plead for help from the childlike empress of Fantasia. You know, kind of like the god of their world, if you will. And uh, But her attendant... It tells everybody in the crowd that, hey, she's fallen deathly ill due to the nothing. And, uh, you know, uh, they've they've summoned Atreyu, which is a warrior from the Plains people. Uh, but they find out that it's a boy and they're kind of like they kind of freak out. They're like, oh, you know, it's a boy. How can you save us? But when they find out that it's really, really Atreyu, the one that fought the purple buffalo, the purple buffalo, they take him seriously and they say you are the only person that can that can save us and uh, help put an end to the nothing so they give him the magical medallion called the Orin, which is used as his guide it'll be you know it will guide him to the quest he has to go on to find the way to cure the empress which will therefore save fantasia so he sets off his quest and uh the powers of the nothing they summon the Mork, the Gmork, the the Morg, the Morg, the Gwork, whatever you want to call this sucker. It's a vicious, um, wolf-like beast, flipping huge, scary eyes, big teeth. Take like the baddest werewolf you've ever seen, throw him out the window because this thing is just even better. 
And the cool thing is it flipping talks, man. Now, of course, you don't see a talk till the end of the movie. But what really gives the effect is the music that they use whenever this thing is on screen. It's just, oh, it's flipping. It's a, it's your kids. It, being a kid, it has scarred me for life. And it still gives me nightmares, man. Good stuff. So, uh, Atreyu starts to search, you know, the vast reasons of Vantasia. And uh, he essentially heads to seek help from uh, this big turtle called Morla. It's supposed to be like the wisest being in all of Fantasia. So Morla actually lives in the deadly swamp of sadness. And uh, it's, you know, if you let the sadness of the swamp overtake you, you sink uh, and and you die. And uh, this happened to a you know, the most heartbreaking thing that us kids saw was our Texas horse flipping, drowning and dying, which the horse actually did really die, uh, which is such a horrible thing. Uh, man, most people don't know that. But yes, our when he dies in the movie, he actually died in real life because they screwed up when they were filming this and he flipping died. So it's uh, it's part of a trivia that I read somewhere. So I'm not sure if it, that's the exact scene. But I do know for sure that Artex really did die, unfortunately. So it sucks, but what are you going to do? So anyways, uh, after Artex dies and, you know, we're all crying and everything watching it, um, you know, this forces Atreyu to continue on foot. And uh, when he gets to the Shell Mountain and then, you know, it kind of looks like like a circular hill full of trees and stuff. And then you find out it's this big giant turtle uh, named Morla, the ancient one. And uh, when this, when the reveal happens, you will actually, uh, you know, Bastion, he screams in fear, which echoes in the book. And Atreyu and Morla hear it. And Bastion is just dumbfounded. The fact of that they heard him. He's like, he, he kind of brushes it off. He's like, nah, they didn't hear me. So Morla can't help Atreyu. Uh, he just tells them, hey, look, you got to go down to the Southern Oracle. Uh, they're the ones that can help you. But it's 10,000 miles away, so therefore it's impossible for you to reach it. So you're screwed. And he just doesn't care about dying. You know, he's just he's been there for thousands and thousands of years, whatever, you know. Uh, but then when it switches back to Bastion, uh, the school bell rings and the school starts to uh, close down. And then, uh, you know, Bastion remains in the attic, continues to read. So then, uh, but before that, we get this real scary scene where it starts to kind of light, you know, lightning and thunder and stuff. He trips over and this wolf head falls on top of him and then immediately flips to uh, the, the Mork's uh, face and teeth running after, running after uh, Atreyu. And, you know, and, and they would show you little bits and pieces basically following the trail, you know, of Artex and Atreyu were originally uh, kind of chilling out at this nice little, uh, it was like a water fountain, not a water fountain, but it was like a pond and it was real nice, real glitterly, real, you know, it had glitter. It was real pretty and beautiful, but Artex kept trying to tell Atreyu, we need to go, we need to go. And that's because Flippin' Artex knew that this thing was coming after it. You know, because animals, they're just smart like that. So, but, the, the, you know, they were always one step ahead of this Mork here. So, as Atreyu, you know, he's just, man, he's going through the swamp. Uh, and you got the Mork on his tail. And, uh, and you know, Atreyu, he's uh, he's fallen under the swamp spell. Starts to begin to sink. 
And that's when Falcor, man, the, the skies open up, the music hits, and uh, and Falcor comes flying down right before he's going to get eaten by the Mork, saves him, and uh, and then he wakes up, and you find out that he pretty much took him almost the whole entire way to the Southern Oracle, like 9,900 miles, something like that. It's really, really cool. Then you get these two old married uh, gnomes um, who are, are basically nursing a Treyu and Falcor. So uh, the gnome basically, you know, um, talks to talks to a Treyu and gives him advice to pass the gates that guard the the oracle. So a Treyu is able to pass the first gate. Uh, it's this gate that like senses your fear and everything like that. You got to be confident in yourself. Uh, so it's really, really, it was a really intense scene. Great, you know, great music, everything like that. But then the second gate is where it's like a magic mirror gate, which, uh, you know, real men see who they are inside. So, you know, if you're a brave man, you find out you're a coward, blah, 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 blah. Most men, when they see the reflection, they run away. But as he approaches it, the image in the gate is shown to be Bastion. Bastion, you know, looks up. And they don't clearly say if Bastion sees Atreyu, but Atreyu sees Bastion. Bastion throws a book across the attic, and he's just like, this can't be happening. But he's like, you know what, I've, I've come this far, I can't stop now. So he picks up the book again, and he's like, he's wondering if the people of Fantasia really know about him. You know, the, the curiosity at this point is finally getting to him, which is really cool. So Atreyu does pass through the second gate. Gets to the Southern Oracle. Now, as a kid, I thought that the Oracle were pretty were pretty risque looking because they had big boobs, and I was like, okay, this is a kids' film, right? I mean, granted, these things were, you know, you could tell it's like uh, Egyptian almost the way that they look, but they had big boobs, and I was like, man, seriously, how could you know this being a kids' film? You know, how could uh, you know how could you get away with this? You know, but you know, as a kid, I was just staring. I really didn't care, you know. But I'm just saying. As a kid's film, it was just, it was kind of cool. You know, it's kind of out there. But, you know, when you get to the Southern Oracle, they look exactly like the first gate, except they're blue. They talk, they're nice, but they start to fall apart because the nothing is basically tearing them to pieces. And what I mean by tearing by the pieces is that it's not like the nothing is actually there ripping it apart. It's just that it's starting to fall apart due to everything that's happening in Fantasia. It just can't stay, you know, it's its structure itself is starting to break apart. And uh, basically the Oracle tells him that the only way that you're going to stop the nothing is for the imprint, for the childlike empress to get a new name. He's like, well, that's easy. And he's like, no, 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 there's a little trick to it. Uh, the new name has to be given to a human, you know, the name's got to be given by a kid, a human child. And he's like, okay, well, where do I get one? Like, you know, uh, it, well, how do I find this kid? And they're like, well, it exists beyond the boundaries of Fantasia. So, you know, as the Oracle begins to crumble, Atreyu, he runs off you know, in a hurry to save Fantasia, calls out for Falcor, and then they begin their mission to find the human-like kid. All right, so Atreyu and uh, Falcor, they fly as fast as they can through Fantasia, hoping to find the boundary. When they reach the Sea of Possibilities, that's when they come encounter with the Nothing. Now, the Nothing is like just like a big, dark, nasty, black storm that just 
tears everything to pieces. I mean, it's you know, it's called the nothing, obviously. So, uh, and I like I like this whole nothing aspect character. It's just a really cool concept of something that doesn't you know, it's not there. It's hollow. It's empty, and just tears it to where it doesn't exist anymore. It's pretty creepy and pretty cool. So, needless to say, uh, during the fight, uh, you know, trying to get away from uh you know from the nothing uh it becomes incredibly strong atreyu actually gets nearly consumed by the nothing but he gets thrown off falcor uh and then he gets kind of uh gets kind of goes into like the sea washed ashore loses the orin and while he's on the beach uh he encounters the rock biter now the rock biter and talk about he kind of opens the film he's a really big uh obviously he's a big giant uh, and he lo- he loves to eat rocks, but every time he eats a rock, they're real hollow and nasty inside. And uh, the rock biter tells Atreyu that you know his hands weren't strong enough uh, to be used anymore because he lost his friends, uh, you know, a tiny weenie and his racing snail, and there was a night hob, and uh, there was this bat. In the beginning of the film, they started off, and they really set the tone for the film. You know, it's what's really cool about this film is there's a bunch of Star Wars esque characters in this film you know like when you watch a star wars film you have normal looking people then you have like creatures and people that look half human half creature that's the kind of characters you have in the never ending story which is really really cool i really like that aspect and uh in in the beginning of the film the rock biter and the and the bat and the racing snail they really set the mood you know they really set the movie off right but you know the rock biter with the real crazy uh, sad music in the background just explains his just hands weren't strong enough to hold him, and he's just gonna sit there and wait to die. He doubts himself, and you know he's just like, you know, I'm just gonna sit here and let myself die. So then Atreyu, you know, he uh, he he starts walking, and he comes across. He goes to kind of like a cave, and he comes across these wall paintings uh, of Atreyu and his adventures that he's had, and then he sees, you know. Uh, Artex dying, he turns around and there's this big old painting of the morgue, uh, real like scary looking, like like a werewolf almost. And then uh, you turn around, there's the music. He starts to growl, and if you come any closer, I will rip you to shreds. I mean, real, uh, real creepy man. Good stuff. He's like you. You have the privilege of being. My last victim, you know, what's really cool about the morgue, number one, he looks real, doesn't look fake one bit, and he does this real creepy when like, um, it's like an, it's like kind of like an earthquake is happening as he's talking, you know, Fantasia's falling apart. And every time it starts to shake, he puts his head up and his eyes like go up in the air and his eyes get bigger and like his eyes are green and the glow the glowy eye just it's just real scary and creepy looking and of course it takes this guy to explain to you what's going on he's explaining what fantasia is that fantasia is a place of humanity us humans our hopes and our dreams and that the nothing represents uh you know apathy cynicism uh, you know, denial of all of our dreams and it's eating away at all of these, you know, fantasies and everything. 
and that he is trying to help destroy Fantasia. And he's like, dude, why would you know Atreyu is just like, how could you be so stupid? Why would you want to help something that you know is gonna kill you? He goes, you know, because people who fear, you know, you have control, and whoever has the control has the power. And you know, it's real crazy. And then we get to like the most epic scene that a kid could ever imagine. Imagine if you're a kid and you're in a Nightmare on Elm Street movie and you're like, you're up against Freddy Krueger and you're just like, there ain't no way I'm living. I'm going to flip and die. He's going to stick his knives in me. You're in a, you're in a Halloween film. And you're like, Michael Myers is going to kill me. There's no way I'm going to live. Flipping in this movie, man, the kid is your, is your Arnold Schwarzenegger. You're uh, like your, your, your hero because what does he do? The morgue says to him that, you know, uh, I was on a mission to to stop the only person that could stop the nothing, and his name uh, was Atreyu. And what does Atreyu do? He's like, you know what? If if I'm gonna die anyways, I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna go out fighting. He grabs like this like glass type thing, and he's like, "Come for me, Morg. I am Atreyu." I mean, you get like this epic scream, and then the Morg gets pissed off and he jumps out and then he stabs him oh man it is mind-blowing even though i knew what was going to happen every time that thing jumped out of the hole i thought he was going to jump out of the tv and i thought he was going to bite me eat me whatever but needless to say uh man it's such it's my favorite scene of well i can't say it's my favorite because there's so many epic epic scenes in the film but anyways you know he he kills him it's like a large sharp stone i guess is what it what it was but uh you know treyu's tore up man he got scratched up and stuff so you know he's weak with his wounds and the nothing comes starts to consume the sea starts to eat it up and then uh of course falcor arrives and uh and then they found the orin because the orin was underwater and then all of a sudden it cuts to black so at some point, Falcor and Atreyu, they get out of the planet and they're up and, you know, Fantasia's been destroyed. I assume they went as high as they possibly could. And uh, so you're kind of thinking, okay, this is this is the end. And uh, Atreyu, he, he kind of gives up hope and he's just like, you know what, if, uh, you know, go ahead and show me the way, Orn. And if, if the ivory tower still stands, which is where the childlike emperor still is, guide me to it and there it is it shows up and uh and there's like these uh there's these fragments of fantasia just floating around in in the sky but when the ivory tower shows up it's all in one perfect piece and uh they go there and uh and then um atreyu gets off of falcor and he goes to see the the childlike empress so, you know, Atreyu reports to the childlike empress that, you know what, I failed. I could not I couldn't find a human child. And that's when the Empress does a twist on us and we get like we get smacked in the face. She reveals that he is in fact, you know, his mission succeeded. We're good. 
And he's like, and Trey was just like, what are you talking about? The quest that you were on was the only way for us to get in touch with the human child. He's been listening to our conversations. He was with you through everything. Then Bastion realizes the person they're talking about is him. That the book is taking specific, you know, specifically about him and his situations. And of course, you know, uh, Bastion starts to, to freak out. And the Empress reveals that Bastion, you know, he's already chosen uh, the name, which is his mom's name, which this irritates me. You never know what his mom's name is and you can't flip and understand what the flipping name is. But uh, the nothing it starts to begin to consume the ivory tower, starting to go to pieces. Atreyu dies. You assume Falkor obviously died because he was outside. And, you know, the Emperor starts to cry and plead to Bastion, please believe, you know, say my name, call it out. And then uh, Bastion's like, fine, you know, I'll do it. He races to the window and he shouts out her name. And, uh, okay, so I never knew what the heck the name was. I had to look it up. According to what he screams is Moonchild. It doesn't sound like that to me, but that's supposedly what he says. So I've always taken it as that, you know what? It uh, what what it is what it is whatever you whatever you think it is. So then the strong wind blows, and then we all of a sudden it goes black again, and then uh, when it starts to light up a little bit, Bastion's face to face with Empress, and reveals that the nothing consumed everything except this one tiny grain of sand from Fantasia. Bastion's like, well, everything's been in vain, and she's like, you know, if Bastion wishes. It will restore the world to its former glory. But not only that, the more wishes that he makes, uh, the better Fantasia becomes. And Bastion's just like, well, how many do I get? You know, how many wishes we get? Because, you know, us, we would love to have as many wishes as possible. But in all those movies, there's always a limit. You always get like three, right? And if you if you get three, it's like there's always some consequence that happens. Uh, but uh, Bastion makes his first wish to restore Fantasia. And of course, what does he wish for? Duh, to have Falcor, your own Falcor. And I'll tell you, my three-year-old, my my three-year-old was watching this because my my oldest daughter, she loves this movie. So you know, my youngest one was in, and I was like, I was really interested to see how she was gonna handle uh, Artex dying. Didn't cry. She was sad. She's like, oh, die, die. But she didn't cry. You know, like me as a kid, I'd be bawling. But uh, at, at the end of this movie, when uh, she loves Falcor, but when Falcor is, you know, going after the bully, she started laughing hysterically and just started like screaming at the top of her lungs in, in the laughing kid voice. It was priceless. But, you know, uh, Bastion's on top of Falcor flying through the skies and he starts to see that all the characters who died or were taken by the nothing, they're all returned. Atreyu is riding Artex. Obviously, it's a different horse. It's not the same one. Uh, and then he uh, he says one more wish, and then in the real world, the bullies that kind of threw him in the garbage can, uh, he chases uh, after the bullies, and then uh, and then that's kind of it. The movie there's like a narrator that reveals that Bastion made many more wishes, but you know that's for another story because supposedly this movie is based on a book. If you didn't know. And the movie is kind of different from the book. The biggest thing is because of the fact of um, the film only covers like the first half of the book. 
So like part two really kind of picks up the second half of the of the book. And, um, and you know, the movie was actually filmed in Germany except for uh, Barrett Oliver's scenes, which a.k.a. would be Bastion. Those were actually shot in Canada. Uh, this was Germany's highest budgeted film at the time. But uh, needless to say, the uh, author of the book, uh, Mike Landy, he was so mad at this. He thought that, you know, the movie was so far from the book. He requested that they halt production or change the name. When they didn't do that, he actually sued them and he lost the case. But I flip and love this movie, man. It's it's fantastic. It's great. Uh, so let's get into, you know, that's the story, everything that happened in the film. So let's get to uh, some of my favorite parts of the film and, and some of the stuff that I didn't like of the film. All right, so the movie starts off. I love this theme song. It's great. I've always loved the theme song. Most people, Some people think it's cheesy. I dig it. I love it. The whole clouds, the way everything looks is great. Uh, it's definitely a catchy, memorable song. And the thing that sucks on the soundtrack is, you know, the big song they play whenever the Orin, you know, whenever the Orin would glow or stuff. It's like the a techno, you know, you guys have kind of heard it in the intro that I did. It's kind of like a techno version of of the of the you know of that song so that's the only song that's not intact from the film but i love the beginning i love the clouds it's great stuff and then when we get uh, to see sebastian's dad i'm like hey it's the dad from uh simon and simon you guys remember that uh tv show uh back in the 80s um it's uh his name was uh george mcraney uh really cool guy um, but if you remember the show, uh, Simon and Simon, he was a major dad, promised land. Uh, he was actually in the first season of Jericho. He was in the final season of Deadwood. So, I mean, this guy has been around for a long time, but it was definitely cool. First thing I thought to myself is it's the dad, you know, it's the guy from Simon and Simon. It's cool seeing his dad. I love the thing that Bastion does with his fingers when he's talking to his dad. You know, it's, it's a simple kind of trick. But he just kind of twists his fingers around, and I was always trying to mimic that and do that as a kid. I always thought it was cool. All right, so the bully book bags. Man, do they look bad. Uh, they're like these square book bags. They look bad. I mean, it's definitely funny when you look at it. Uh, you know, what's cool is is this movie, it's not a timeless movie in a way because, you know, you can clearly tell it's the 80s. But I love looking at the bully book bags. And I just kind of laugh when they're running around with these big old brick square book bags. It, they just look funny as they're running. I thought it was kind of amusing. Uh, and I just love how they throw them in the garbage because that scene pays off later on in the film because uh, the the bullies will later on at the end of the very at the very end of the film will have to go in the same garbage can that they threw Bastion in later when Falcor is going after them. So I, I definitely like that payoff. That was pretty sweet, and uh, and I love the bookstore guy, man. He's real creepy. You know, the one thing that I've always wanted to know that I I never knew was did he know that Bastion was going to take the book, you know, because after he gives him the talk and tells him that the book's not safe, he just thinks he's a regular kid giving him crap. But when he finds out the kind of books that Bastion's read, you know, you know, he has tells him, I have this, I have this, I love this, I love Cap, you know. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, Moby Dick, all this stuff. He's like, oh, he starts to get intrigued in the kid. He realizes that the book, you know, could possibly be, you know, could possibly be beneficial to him in a way, you know. But uh, but then when he looks and realizes Bastion left, he kind of smiles. 
but then he looks down and realizes the book's gone. So I, it's always it's not very clear if he knew Bastion was going to take the book. So that's something I always wanted to know, and it's kind of uh, you know it's kind of vague, but in a way I kind of like that at the same time. Now, as I said, I was going to find out if the movie still holds up today. The Rockbiter Man looks great. The bat looks great. The creatures look great. I have to admit, the special effects look really, really great. The, I think the, the the times that I didn't think it looked good was when they go to the Ivory Tower and they have the background, you know, they show the Ivory Tower and then they show like the different, like the sunset and everything. It looked a little bit green screen, blue screen, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but it was, again, very vague, man. You had to really, really pay attention. But otherwise, the rock, bot, the rock biter was solid looking. Uh, the bat looked great. The creatures looked great. Obviously, the morgue looks great. Falcor looks amazing. Uh, I can't talk about how great he looks. I mean, there's a very few times where he's flying in the air. Uh, it's mostly not the first time where he comes out of the clouds and he's coming to rescue Atreyu before he gets eaten. It's when he's got to, uh, you know, when Atreyu falls to the beach and he's flying in the same. It's like the same exact shot, but with different colors. That didn't look too great. But otherwise, man, it was pretty solid. The special effects definitely hold up. I was very impressed the movie still holds up to this day. I loved it, man. I really think the special effects were great. And I think it's because they're practical effects. Not, you know, There was no really computer special effects back then. They took their time with this. And I really appreciate it. I really love it. And uh, the Rockbiter had, had kind of a funny line where uh, they talk about the rocks being gone. And he goes, I swear it wasn't me. And he takes his finger. He's got like his two fingers up of one crossed over and just the way he says i swear it wasn't me and kind of crosses his heart was kind of funny because there's not really a whole lot of comedy in the film but the rock biter he's definitely he's a big sweet giant and i really dig the rock biter a lot i love the beginning of the film how it, in beginning of the film i mean the beginning introduction of fantasia when you see the nothing for the first time very impressive i was always impressed with the scenes of the nothing good stuff the music is very spot on very emotional great stuff like i said the only problem is with the soundtrack itself not with what's in the movie but like the the big musical scene they play whenever you know the ivory tower is being shown for the first time or the orin is glowing that particular song they made a techno dance on the soundtrack and i thought that was that kind of sucked for me but uh, I know, but I like it though. I I like the the techno version of it. But I wish I had the original version uh, on the soundtrack. That would have been nice. But the home of the empress. That's the first time that the special effects were. You can tell it didn't age very well or it didn't look good. Now I don't have the Blu-ray, so they might have fixed this for the Blu-ray release. But you could kind of see like the outline of like the outer the outer like the sky when they're showing you the you know the empress palace that's kind of where it look almost like a blue screenish kind of color so 
But like I said, when you know everybody's before, uh, you know the, the the guard, you know like the guard of the Empress, and explaining that the world is basically doomed, and you have those different creatures. I like the one like square head with the three eyes look really cool, and uh, the di- like there's like a big elephant or something like that. I just I really dug the creatures. I love the costumes in this film. Very very cool, man. I dig it a lot. And like I said, when Atreyu first shows up. As a kid, I thought it was a girl at first. It really wasn't until halfway through the movie when I realized it was a boy. But now, I totally get the whole boy, you know, having long hair thing. Doesn't bother me one bit. But uh, actually, uh, one of my youngest one, my three-year-old, when she was watching it, she's like, is that it? You know, she has her thumb in her mouth. And uh, she would be, where'd the girl go? I'm like, that's not a girl, that's a boy. He just has long hair. And she'd go, oh. So I dig the look of the Orin. It looks really, it looks creepy. It looks uh, mysterious. Uh, it looks, uh, it looks very, you know, something you'd want to carry on a mission. You know, kind of, it's like a like a kung fu master would want to take with them. You know, I like it. It's it's got a lot of different aspects to it. You know, it's scary. It's cool. It's it's tough. I really like it. I I really dig the Orin. It's some good stuff. And, uh, you know, I've already talked about the morgue. Uh, nothing more really needs to be said. I love the way he looks. He's super scary. His eyes, his teeth, uh, incredible looking. Um, very uh, Visually, he's amazing looking. This, he blows away any werewolf out there, man. Super scary. Love his voice. Flipping amazing. And forget Freddy Krueger. Forget Michael Myers. Forget demons. Forget Ghost. Nothing scared me more than this flipping creature, man. Love him. Still gives me nightmares. Way to go. I mean, he he takes this movie to a whole new level for me. Which is another reason why Part 2 sucks. The bad guys don't even come close to this thing. Don't even come close. Can't even touch it. Another reason why the sequel fails. So, love the morgue, man. Now, the Artex scene, man, I'll tell you. Still gives me heart-wrenching... Uh, you know, still hits me. And from what I heard in Snow White and the Huntsman, they actually copied this scene. And I, I, obviously they copy a lot of different scenes just from what I've heard. So I haven't witnessed it myself. But uh, it, I was really sad, you know. Uh, I, I read I read trivia on the movie that Artex actually died uh, while they were filming. I believe it was this scene. The, they couldn't get the horse up fast enough as it was sinking. Because what they used for the swamp was like this elevator type thing. And Atreyu actually at one point got hurt. His leg got caught in the elevator at one point. Um, but I believe this is how Artex actually died because they couldn't get the elevator fixed in time. You know, it's like an elevator under the swamp, obviously. So I'm pretty sure that's how it happened. But, you know, don't quote me on that. That's just kind of the trivia that I read on it. But but anyways, that scene, man, oof, that is heartbreaking scene. Now, Morlo, isn't that guy freaky? Uh, real crazy-looking turtle, man. Uh, good times. I like this scene where he's just blowing and sneezing, and he just he's allergic to, to youth. And I just like how he just doesn't care, man. The dude's going to die, and he just doesn't care because he's been around long enough, and we just don't care. So, Morla, you know, I, I like this scene. And, of course, it leads you right into, you know, the big uh, morgue chasing after Treyu. And of course, Falcor. I mean, I, I, he's so he's cute. Uh, I just I love the way he looks. Uh, he's just I love the the voicing, and it, he's just amazing looking. I 
I can't say enough great things about Falcor. Falcor for me is in the same ballpark as Gizmo, man. I I would love to have any merchandise or anything possible of Falcor that I could get my hands on because I just think he's the greatest. And then they just totally took him and just totally flushed him down the toilet in part two. So I can't say enough great things about Falcor. He's just great. Uh, I just I love everything they do with Falcor in this film. It, of course, he's not in a whole bunch, but when he is, he's definitely the one that steals the spotlight from everything else that you see. And you know the interaction between Atreyu and Falcor is great when he's just like, "I like children for breakfast," and he starts to laugh, and he's like. No, you know, and I I like the interaction between the two of them. They instantly have great chemistry together. And uh, when he smiles at him and just kind of winks and it's just, I I can't, like I said, I can't say enough great things about Falcor. He is just amazing. Now, what do you guys think of the old couple? They're pretty cool, huh? I, I like the gnomes, man. They were good times. They were real, they were good comic relief because at this point, we, especially after the whole Artex when he dies they were really good comic relief and that's something that we needed to have at this time in the story they were on screen long enough to progress the story and uh and they did the job well of telling you what you needed to know but also giving you some comic relief so i really enjoy these characters okay now i mentioned the first time that you see that the color looks bad you know when they're going to see the empress they show the ivory tower for the first time the second time is when atreyu is walking to uh you know to the oracle you know the ones that uh that throw lightning out of their eyes the color looks bad in the background you know it's supposed to be like real darkness you know real black in the background it does not look good i mean that scene is clearly clearly looks bad unfortunately and but i think it's always looked bad but uh, unfortunately that's the most noticeable you know bad looking scene color wise is that one but it doesn't bother me it doesn't take me out of the film it's just it's very obvious that you know it does not look good maybe it's a blue screen or whatever but again that's that's the second part that's the second scene i I was trying to remember and that was it now i do love it when atreyu does get through that gate and you know he's going to the next one and then the gnome gets all excited and falcor is like i knew he'd make it and i love it when he when he rips on him he's like you don't understand anything you know he calls him stupid it's great i love it It it's hysterical uh and falcor just kind of looks at him like huh you know i could totally eat you and you're going to you're going to talk to me that way, you know, but of course he's going to restrain himself because he's a luck dragon, he's a good guy. So, I, I thought that was great. I love that. I love the 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 talk between those two is some good times. And the last bit would be like the the flying falcor scenes, you know, where they fly over mountains and water and things. Most of the time looks good. Just a few times where you could tell it didn't look great. So there's really only three scenes in the film that don't really hold up too good. The first one, like I said, is the first time you go see uh, the Empress you know, at the Ivory Tower. The second one is when Atreyu is walking to take on the first gate. And then when Falcor is flying to go to the, you know, when they're searching for the boundaries of Fantasia. Outside of that, everything else looks great. Uh, I love it. It still holds up to this day, the special effects outside of those three scenes right there. 
you know, and I already talked about the, you know, when Atreyu is talking to uh, the morgue, the morgue and his eyes get bigger, that whole scene, you know, I'd say that scene is my favorite scene of the film uh, because it's the most intense, you know. I literally am intrigued because you're finding out more about the story. I'm scared because that thing just scares me to death. Atreyu, eventually you see the, the fear in his eyes turn to anger and just ready to die and take him on. It's just, it's a great scene. You know, in like three and a half, four minutes, they do a lot of damage in this scene. You know, it tells you what Fantasia is. It tells you what the nothing is. It tells you what his mission is. And then you see Atreyu take on the the bad guy of the film. In my opinion, is the bad guy of the film. You know, the nothing is kind of a sub, you know, I mean, he's the main bad guy. But obviously, physically speaking, you can't see the nothing. It's just a bunch of wind and darkness and everything like that. But this thing, man, oh, it's just awesome when he's just like, come for me, Morg. I am a tree. Oh, man, so good. I love that, man, when he just screams that and you just see the Morg just jump out. and Oh, good stuff, man. Like I said, great scene. A lot of damage done in three and a half, four minutes. Excellent. And, uh, and I love the ending, you know, when you uh, find out Bastion and, you know, he goes into the story and gets his wishes and gets Falcor and just a happy ending overall. So so I, I love it, man. Great film. Uh, I would say still to this day, this is my favorite fantasy film. You know, I, I most people would say Star Wars, you know, that that's great. Fantasy films, you know, for me, when I think fantasy films, you know, I'm thinking of like, you know, Legend or... Uh, you know, never ending story. Um, you know, for me, I still to this day would, would put never ending story as my favorite still holds up to this day. You know, a few problems, like I said, mostly with the special effects. Uh, but I, I really dig it. I love it. It's great stuff. I would definitely give this movie a very, very strong, uh, four stars, you know, maybe a week, four and a half. Uh, probably just because the, the story is solid, uh, very, under, very easy to understand, excellent bad guys, uh, excellent visuals. Everything looks great. You know, you have the three bad scenes, unfortunately. So I, I, I guess I'd have to go with a four and a half. Definitely four and a half, very, very strong four and a half. Um, it does, it does have some age to it. You know, especially you can totally tell it's in the 80s. So that, that may hurt it a little bit for you. And those three scenes with the color may hurt the movie for you. So obviously, you know, um, for perfect five stars, it's a little hard for me to do that based on those categories. But four and a half, very, very strong four and a half. Still holds up. I love the film. It's great stuff. So so that is it, guys. That is my review for The NeverEnding Story. I hope you dig it. So, uh, so that's it, guys. Let's hear what the channel surfers have to say. This is slam. This is whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh, stupid Mike. You idiot. Uh, wrong show. I'm sorry. You know what? Sorry. Changing channels is so new. I totally forgot which fan base I'm dealing with. I'm sorry. It's not the channel surfers. My, I, Let's start over. Okay. Let's hear what the STL Nation has to say. Uh, 
Ah, that's more like it. Okay. So uh, emails. Boy, we didn't get a lot of emails. We only got two this time, guys. And I know there's more of you out there that like this movie just as much as I do. But, hey, it's cool. Uh, You know, you guys sent in some excellent emails on the Changing Channels first episode. So I'm going to forgive you for that. So let's hear our first email. Our first one comes from Tawana Diverse City Williams. Thanks so much for writing in. As always, you had an excellent, she was the first email ever read for the Change Channels podcast. So here's what she had to say for STL. She said, what is up, Masunas and the STL Nation? It has been at least a decade since I've seen The NeverEnding Story. My memory of the actual film is very vague, so I have no idea if it holds up as far as the story or visual effects go. I'm going to take a stab at it and say not, not though. Uh, what do I remember? Let's see. There was a kid named Sebastian, a kid named Atreyu, a princess, a nothing, a horse, and a furry flea-infested dragon monster thing. So I loved it all as a kid. I'm going to vote yes on the theme song. It's ridiculously catchy, and it's what I remember most vividly when the movie comes to mind, which isn't that often. The last time it did, though, before today, I was watching Snow White and Huntsman, and there was a scene in the beginning with Kristen Stewart where I was sitting there in tears wondering, why am I suddenly having flashbacks and traumatic memories involving a horse tragically dying in a mud? Must have blocked it out. So uh, that's actually what she had to say for NeverEnding Story. She's actually going to talk about Sparkle next. Okay, so I saw Sparkle in theaters theaters recently, and I have a review. First, what I like is the casting was spot on for each character. They did a great job of matching the original in the in the aspect. The actress that plays sister looks so much like Michelle Pfeiffer, though it was uh, a little distracting. Whitney Houston in her final role was adequate as the overbearing mom. Her performance was on par with the preacher's wife. She will be so sorely missed, though. Uh, as I love Whitney, which who does it? Jordan Sparks, who I really had no knowledge of before seeing this, was very impressed in her musical performances. Jordan Sparks is actually uh, the winner of American Idol. I believe it's American Idol season four, I want to say. Uh, she did like Battlefield, Battlefield, Why Does Love Always Have to Be a Battlefield? Um, you know, One Step at a Time. That's Jordan Sparks. And uh, her on her one wing was the highlight of the film for me. Now, for what I didn't like, I absolutely hated the plot twist. It changed the most memorable part of the original. It uh, makes matters worse. The film was about 45 minutes too long. Also, I pretty much hated this film because of the changes. And it will always choose the original Sparkle over the remake. So actually, I thought you were loving the film, and then you kind of changed it up and said that you hated it. But thanks for your review on Sparkle. I will definitely not check that out. Finally, I really dig the change to your music news format with the iTunes charts. Thank you very much. Uh, it's been uh, keep, I've been keeping up uh, with it too, and our man Toby Mac is doing very well. Good for him, which uh, Tawana recently got into Toby Mac, so props to you, girl. Uh, she heard um, during the movie music news, I played a song. She liked it, checked it out, and now she's become a fan, so that's pretty awesome. Uh, okay, that is all I have for now. See you online. Take care, Diverse City. Uh, so thank you, Tawana, so much for writing in. Always a great time to hear from you. Great email. So our last email uh, comes from Sebastian, the internationalist. And here's what he had to say about the never-ending story. Four Scary Wolves Out of Five, a film seen many times in my youth, uh, but not liked it as much. When I grew up older, though, uh, I became a bigger fan of it. The wolf didn't scare me as a kid. 
So does it scare you now or did it never scare you at all? Because if it never scared you at all, sir, I got to give you props to you. That's good. I'm glad, you know, it didn't scare you. So that is actually it, guys, for our emails, uh, which, you know, hey, at least we got some, right? So if you want to write in, please do so. It's uh, sweepdelaypodcast at yahoo.com. But sometimes Yahoo can be kind of stupid. So uh, please CC that to the Gmail address, which is stlpodcast at gmail.com. Please feel free to write in about the never-ending story. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, so let, uh, let's stop right there with the emails and let's uh, move right on in into the music spotlight. All right, music spotlight time. Now, uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed the summer music spotlight series. I've had a blast putting together uh, some of my all-time favorite songs to listen to during the summer. It's been super fun. Uh, any of the artists that uh, names of the artists and songs, you can always check in the next episode in your information, you know, show description episode. I would actually list who the previous, you know, the last episode, who the music spotlight artists were. So today is the final episode for the music uh, summer music spotlight. We're gonna end it off on a bang. Summer is uh, summer's almost over. And uh, we're going to get back starting next episode back to one song uh, for the music spotlight. So I'm going to end it out with a bang. Uh, the first song is actually, man, it is Ty. Uh, I really, I have a hard decision between if this is my favorite song of 2012 or if it's uh, 12 Stones Infected, which, you know, I've played before and, uh, you know, is kind of like a great zombie song. Uh, but this one is Me Without You. Uh, I love this song. It is like super catchy, perfect for summertime. It's got that summertime feel to it. I love this song. It's a great way to end, you know, kind of save my my favorite song of the year as the final blowout to the summer music spotlight. And then the second song uh, is probably a song I'm going to get hate mail on, uh, but it's a song that undeniably is catchy. And uh, I hated this song. I hated it. For like for a long time, and then all of a sudden, I flipped the switch, and I love the song. And now every time I hear it, I gotta hear it at least you know a couple more times. I'm not gonna tell you what it is, but beef, you know, it's not Backstreet Boys and it's not In Sync, so no worries there. But it's definitely a summertime song, very recent, not not too old, couple years old. Uh, but it's a song that was played heavily during this, during one of the summers. And uh, it is very catchy and gets stuck in your head. So it's the perfect way to end the Summer Music Spotlight series is uh, with these two songs. So hopefully you dig it, check it out, love it. It's been a blast doing the Summer Music Spotlight series. And, uh, and then that is it, guys. And as far as some uh, information real quick to close out the show... Uh, a lot of you probably haven't heard from uh, John the Mailman. Well, that's because John the Mailman has a new baby that's going to be coming his way. Yes, John the Mailman is like Total Recall. He's got five kids to feed. So uh, so give congratulations on the Facebook page, the John the Mailman. I'm sure he would appreciate that. Keep him in your thoughts. 
And then, uh, and then good old Jameson the Great, aka the self-proclaimed STL legend, my buddy over at Changing Channels Podcast. He is expecting another one, so uh, so please, uh, you know, congratulate these guys when you see him. He's very excited. This will be number three for him. Uh, I'm very excited for him. Give him some cr- congratulations. So uh, so that is why two of our members have probably been a little bit quiet on our Facebook page and our Facebook group. So uh, in other news, don't forget uh, to check out the Changing Channels podcast. First episode's up. Jameson and I, we went ahead and uh, we covered some in living color. Uh, took it from beginning uh, to end and talked about some great clips. We, we just had fun. you know. We definitely don't know everything there is to know about in living color, but just two fans sat down together and talk some in living color had a blast and like i said there's a few minor audio uh ins and outs but nothing too serious nothing that would hurt the episode and uh and yours truly actually messed up uh, a couple times i i called somebody from in living single somebody else you know tawana busted me on that and uh in another show i couldn't name but overall though it was just super fun now uh a lot of great feedback have come got four itunes reviews already so thank you so much for everybody that has written an itunes review if you haven't written an itunes review for that show or stl please do so or leave a rating uh but uh there's been some questions in regards to the whole you know is jameson the official co-host and all that kind of thing so just something i wanted to kind of clear away the official quote-unquote announcement has never actually been said you know i asked jameson to help me out for the first couple of episodes the basic plan is which you know keep in mind there's only 12 in a year because it's a once a month podcast there's 12 months in a year so you know obviously only 12 episodes not a whole lot that you get in a year so for the first couple of episodes you know he's definitely going to be helping me out we're going to be watching shows that we both we're going to be talking about shows that we both have seen when we get to a certain point where either it's a show i haven't seen or he hasn't seen and if we kind of agree together that hey you know, maybe this show will get somebody else. Uh, either way, I'm always going to have a co-host for every episode that I post for Changing Channels. Uh, there's various people that want to come on for certain episodes. But for the most part, you know, we don't jinx anything because anytime I announce that there's a co-host, something always happens and that person doesn't work out. So it's never been officially announced. It's kind of an unofficial thing. So no worries, guys. You know, me and Jameson, we we get together, we have fun, and we just hit the record button. So no worries there for the first couple of months uh, easily it's me and Jameson. So, you know, we're going to take it month by month and, and just have fun. So don't worry about it. Uh, either way, there will definitely be a co-host for whatever episode it is, but you know, I'm not worried about it. So don't you worry about it either. And then, uh, don't forget to check out the other show. I do the shadowy flight new episode should be posted soon. I sent that over to Jason. So if you are a fan of Knight Rider, go check that show on out. Don't forget to check out the other shows that we endorse over here at STL. Of course, Jason, you know, Jason made the Changing Channels logo. Thank you, sir. Uh, he was just messing around one day, you know, and I thought my logo was pretty cool. And once I saw his, I had to throw mine out and use his. His was amazing. But don't forget to check out his shows, Flicks, Film and Focus, Show Me the Winston, 
and then uh, when Supernatural comes back, he will be over at the Crossroads Podcast. And don't forget to check out my boy Jameson's podcast, Movie Mojo Monthly. I had a blast with their top 10 action flick um, list. That was great. Yours truly. Uh, they always has some choice words, which is always hilarious to listen to. And then the next episode, my sound clip, I actually defended a movie. So you'll be able to hear what movie I defended. So make sure you stay tuned for that episode. I can't wait for that to post. And then uh, those are the big ones, the ones you need to check out outside of the new show. So thank you, everybody, um, for you know for sticking around. You guys are the best fans in the world. If you want to be you know part of the STL Nation, all you got to do is write in an email. But you can always join the Facebook group at STL Nation Randomness. And uh, don't forget to check out the Facebook page. We are on Twitter at STL Podcast. And uh, don't forget iTunes reviews. I'm at 14. Uh, I think I'm at 13 reviews and 17 ratings, so I'd love to get a little bit more, but if you've already done it, you've already done it. So that is it, guys, and then uh, the last bit of news I want to talk about is the new voting process. All right, so episode 75, usually, you know, at 50, 75, and 100, those are like your big shows. Well, you know, for the 50th episode, I did a live episode. For the 75th, people have asked me, am I doing a live show? No, I am not doing a live show for the 75th episode. Live shows are kind of a pain in the rear end. So we're doing something special. The 75th episode is when the STL Nation takes over. That is when the voting process starts. So that's in two episodes. Next week's episode is Flight of the Navigator. And then after that, uh, you will get a bonus episode, which will be Zombieland. But will also be the first episode of what you choose. So here's how the voting process is going to work. And if you are a hardcore fan, you will benefit from this. Going forward, um, every episode I'm going to put two movies up. And uh, after you know I've uploaded the episode, I'm going to put the vote up, and you're going to choose what to what movie you want me to review so it's essentially going to be theme based so it could be like uh an actor uh did two kind of movie roles which one do you like better it could be a genre uh you know essentially i want to kind of keep it where one movie kind of mirrors the other so for the first set of movies we are going to do keanu reeves cop favorite keanu reeves cop film Point Break versus Speed. So you get the vote and decide, do you want me to review Point Break or do you want me to review Speed? Now, here's where the kicker is. This is where you need to vote very carefully. Number one on Facebook, when you vote, you only get the vote once. So you got to make sure your vote counts. Number two, and this is very important that you remember, whatever movie loses does not ever get reviewed on the show. It gets thrown away. Now, there's a list currently of requests, movie requests, which is actually found on the Facebook board, uh, the STL, the STL Nation Randomness Group. Uh, that's where the the list currently sits. Now, what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to review the list and I'm going to pick uh, two movies that kind of coincide with one another. So as you can see, I pick Keanu Reeves. He's a cop in both movies. You know, he's a cop in Point Break. He's a cop in Speed. Which one do you want to see? Uh, which one do you want to see the most? So I'm going to take some. I'm going to take two movies that are in the list that coincide with one another, kind of in the same basis of that. If I can't find another one in your list, 
I will randomly select a movie that I feel will fit in that genre. So like uh, Alien uh, Disaster Film, uh, The Day After Tomorrow versus 2012. You kind of see where I'm going with here. Think about if you listen to Yeah, It's That Bad. It's kind of the same voting process as that. Now, uh, as I said, if you're a hardcore fan, you get you, you actually have an advantage here. I'm going to post the voting in two places. One will be on the Facebook page. So you have to like the Facebook page, which is www.facebook.com slash sweep delay podcast. The other is going to be in the Facebook group, in the STO Nation Randomness group. So once you vote at one, you can vote at the other, but you only get the vote once. So if you're a random fan, you only get the vote once. If you're a hardcore fan, you get the vote twice. I will give you one week. So whatever day I post the episode of STL, the following week, the voting will end. So let's, for example, Friday. I normally record and post the episode on Friday. So starting tonight, I will throw up the voting. Next Friday, I will take the voting down. And on that episode of STL, I will announce the winner. And then I will announce what the new set of movies are going to be. And then that's and then episode 75 will be whoever wins, Speed or Point Break. And then episode 76 will be the next set of movies, so on and so forth. So going forward, uh, 75 starts the new voting process. You, the listener, get to decide what you want me to review. And keep in mind, the loser gets thrown out and will never be reviewed on the show. So pick wisely. And if you're smart and you want both, uh, you know, you could always, you know, you don't care which one. You could always pick one in one place and one in the other. Now, there is going to be a tie. If by the by the seventh day, if we have like we're head to head and like it's maybe one vote off, you know, let's say like there's 30 votes for one movie and 29 for the other. That particular movie that lost, we'll throw that in the recycling bin, which means that it will be up for voting at another time in the future. It will not be completely thrown out of the list where it will never be reviewed. So that's something that I wanted to throw out there, which would be kind of cool. So I'm excited for this. I think it'll be cool. I think it'll be fun. I can't wait for it. You guys get to tell me what you want to hear. And uh, the cool thing is there's probably going to be a lot of new movies I've never seen. So I'm excited. I get to see some new stuff and you get to hear different, maybe different kind of movies that you probably wouldn't hear. But for the most part, uh, you know, we're, we're still going to stick with the same fun formula that we usually do. So I hope you guys like that. And like I said, the bonus episode of Zombieland will come out right around the time uh, episode 75 comes out. So think Think carefully. What do you want to win? Do you want Speed to win or Point Break? So both are great movies. Uh, and uh, which Keanu Reeves do you like better? So I'm excited for it. It's going to be some good time. So that is it, guys. That is our episode. That's a wrap. Got to get this episode edited and out to you so we can start the voting process. And I hope you enjoyed the episode. I love Never Ending Story. Go out and get it on Blu-ray. And, uh, and that is it, guys. So I will see you next week when we talk some Flight of the Navigator. It's a good old Walt Disney flick. Uh, maybe kind of hard to find, so you may have to go to YouTube. But uh, it's you know part of the wonderful world of Disney when it came out. Pee Wee Herman is actually the voice of Max, the alien. But you can't even tell it's Pee Wee Herman because he's so normal. Uh, great film. I love Flight of the Navigator. And then after Flight of the Navigator will be episode 75 where the nation takes over. So that is it, guys. Thank you so much for always sticking around. 
Thanks for being the greatest fans in the world. You guys are awesome. So I hope you guys enjoy the last Summer Music Spotlight. I hope you dig these songs. These are great. So don't forget, it's Me Without You. And then uh, and then the other surprise song that I can't tell you about. So you guys take care. Masunas out.
to dream my cardigan. Welcome to the land of fame access. Am I gonna fit in? Jumped in the cab, here I am for the first time. Look to my right and I see the Hollywood sign. This is all so crazy. Everybody seems so famous. My tummy's turning and I'm feeling kinda homesick. Too much pressure and I'm nervous. That's when the taxi man turned on the radio. And a Jay-Z song was on. And a Jay-Z song was on. And a Jay-Z in my taxi cab everybody's looking at me now like who's that chick that's rocking kicks she gotta be from out of town so hard with my girls on around me it's definitely not a nashville party cause all i see is the letter i guess i never got the memo my tummy's turning and i'm feeling kind of homesick too much pressure and i'm nervous that's when the dj dropped my favorite tune Britney song was on, and the Britney song was on, and the Britney.